All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire Football Podcast. It's been a moment here or there. We've been, um, I don't know, I've been preoccupied with other things. A little XFL, maybe. You're, you're, you're podcasting through the pain right now? Podcasting through pain through my, uh, yeah, my uh, six-week shoulder sling for shoulder surgery, which at first it started off being, oh, it's just a little uh, AC joint. You may not even need a sling, buddy. However, I was like, well, maybe when I'm getting pain up my collarbone and back of my head, I'm probably thinking it's more than that. And it's mm-hmm. a full, full rotator repair, if you're wondering. So exciting times. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're on the mend. I'm getting there. I can move my, my left arm around. I I can move my shoulder. My, if I raise my arm up, that hand, I can go maybe uh, halfway if you before I go exactly horizontal. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not the injury podcast. It's the uh, Mountain Swire football podcast. MWR.com is where you can find all of our football, basketball, whatever else we want to talk about. Do we need to have an argument about Chicago-style pizza as well tonight? Well, are we going to talk about Chicago-style pizza versus Chicago-style hot dog? Because personally, I don't think there's any contest. What do you think is the um, – what's your preference? So having had both in Chicago at one point in my life mm-hmm. – um, and, I, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm pretty sure I'm in the minority on this, but if you gave me the choice, I would take deep-dish Chicago-style pizza any day of the week. Okay, so this came about because my where I work at, we have some guys at the All-Star game, and so they tweeted out a picture of a pizza and a Chicago hot dog. What is, um, I'll have to say up front, I've not had a Chicago-style or a hot Chicago hot dog or slash pizza in Chicago. So what's on a Chicago dog? Okay, let's see if I can remember this off the top of my head. Um, I'll go to one-handed wiki typing while I do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's, a, it's okay, so it's yellow mustard, Ugh, chopped geez. white onions. Yellow mustard is the worst. Uh, sweet pickle relish. Okay, not bad. A dill pickle spear. Uh, this is all on the hot dog as well, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, tomato slices. Okay. Or wedges. Uh, pickled sport peppers and a little bit of celery salt. Seems a bit too pickly for me. See, that's the thing. Like, I do like a little bit of relish, but yeah. when it comes to that particular combination of things, and like, I'm not personally a fan of tomatoes, mm. I'll have tomato sauce. But mm-hmm. I don't really like tomatoes. I know it's ironic, but no, my brother's the same way. He likes um, tomato sauce, but he tells me he's allergic to tomatoes, which I don't buy. But he does like tomato sauce. I'm like, there's got to be some crossover if you're allergic to tomatoes and sauce. I mean, a lot, a lot of people hate on Chicago style pizza, but you know, it's more of a good thing. So For, I don't okay. understand why people hate on it. So the picture I tweeted out, it does not look appealing, does it? Okay, so. It's for, that, for reference, it's at the NBA All-Star Game tonight in Chicago, so it's arena food as well. That particular example does look a little sad. That's why I, I put garbage that. can on Twitter. <laughs> but in general, like if you if you ever get the chance to go to Chicago and go to like any number of you know uh, places, like you know, if you just go to like the if you go to Pizzeria Uno, which is where it's invented. Oh, I've been there, but not Chicago. I hated it. It's like soup. Well, that's what I'm saying. You got to go to like the original Good. one. That's why I was in. Where was that? Is that? I was going to school in Iona College. I was out in New York, but we went to which you get New York slices anywhere. We we're on a water polo tournament. I think we we're at the Naval Academy, so Annapolis mm-hmm. area. And we had all these guys from Chicago. It's like we'll go there. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. I was underwhelmed, and I'm assuming that's not the best place to get that type of pizza. It's like let's go get a good burger and go to like uh, Five Guys or McDonald's. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, not- it's like don't you go straight to the source, and I promise you, you will not go wrong. I'm not against it. That one looks terrible, but it just looks, yeah, it looks very sad. My only issue when I had it at the one place was 
it's like it's just um, you got the crust, and it's like they just toss the sauce in whatever toppings you want inside. Yes, I know it but, is a pizza pie. The one I had was not authentic, so my judgment is uh, biased. I would say I'm not against that pizza because most pizza is good, but I want to try like a real pizza from there. Yeah, should I go to Gold Belly and see if they can get some good pizza there? Have you heard of Gold Belly? I have not. So it's a place where you can get food across the country. So like famous restaurants and stuff, mm-hmm. and they'll ship it to you. Quite pricey. I haven't done it at all because it's way too pricey. But I'm wondering if I should get a good Chicago-style pizza that way. But again, that's still not the same thing as going to the restaurant and getting it. Well, now I'm curious. You can look, and it'll... Uh, <laughs> maybe it's... A, we'll, another, we'll get to our football stuff in a minute, but gold it's not a sponsor. Maybe they should, but... It's like if you heard of Carnegie Deli in New York City. It's closed down, but they, oh, still, yeah. they yeah. still have a shop. You can buy that that corned beef from them still. Okay. So it's like stuff like that. Like you want a mufalada. If you want – like they have Mardi Gras right now. They have barbecue from Kansas City, from Texas, from North Carolina. Bagels, stuff like that. I've done it once, like a bagel thing. Because my little girl saw a bagel. It's like they made like a rainbow-type bagel. So I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. It looks different. Design, she loved it. Oh, here you go. Gino's East. There we go. Chicago deep dish pizza two-pack for $80. $80. Yes. Okay, I'm no. I'm telling you. No, that's, that's a little too much. So what I'm saying is they have stuff on sale. They apparently have subscriptions I'm looking now. But I've looked. I've got it once. I think it was somewhere else, <coughs> the store. But it was packaged horribly. It tastes like a garbage bagel. It's like I'd rather make my own bagel and put dye on it and have it myself to come out that way. Mm-hmm. But I have looked at when they have discounts or sales. But it's um, it's pretty pricey. But maybe one day I should try it just to splurge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just if, if you go to the website, if you get, you'll be hungry in a moment. I'm just saying, it looks really good stuff you can get. Yeah. <laughs> but, this is the, this is the kind of stuff listeners have to put up with when we haven't podcasted for two weeks. And it's the off season, and so yeah, that's true. Hey, this is not the chicken tender bracket like we had. What, two you know years what? Ago. You know what? It helps that you know basketball has kept things uh, very very interesting. Go Aztecs! Yeah. E- even the even the teams that are having mostly bad seasons are, are still interesting if not totally for you know rather than being totally forgettable like Fresno state can't seem to win a close game ever nah <laughs> stuff like that you know new mexico's lost people but they're still competing and stuff like that so that helps but, Utah state's on a run go Aggies. but the other the other upside to not having podcasted in a couple weeks is things have happened since the last time we podcasted it's off season so deal with it Yes. So that's uh, that's my recommendation. If you ha- if you have the expendable funds, go to goldbelly.com and buy something. If not, wait for me when it goes on sale to buy something. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, hey, for Christmas, can you get me a fifty dollars gift card? You save it up for four years, and you have a couple hundred bucks to get something decent. <laughs> mm-hmm. So our topic set, we got a hodgepodge of stuff. Our main topic we'll get to will be stupid early predictions, where one of us may or may not make a stupid early locked in zone prediction, but we'll get to that later. But we got some crazy news that's happened the past couple weeks. Oh, yeah. I want to start with this first one, which you got to see this happening. You, if you're shocked this happens, um, I'll give me 20 bucks because you're wrong or whatever saying it's going to be. University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They got the new shiny stadium, Matt. However, however, me too. I've driven by at least two to three <laughs> times. Gigantic stadium. Um, Raiders have an option to... Well, you got this game against Louisiana Tech. Maybe uh, we want we want Lionel Messi to come to town for a friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> well, they're getting the boot for at least one game, maybe two games. Going back to Sam Boyd, it's still it's still around, is it? Matt Sam Boyd hasn't been uh, like they raised or anything. They knocked it down to the best of my knowledge. No. <laughs> so they got to play somewhere. So this is part of the deal. They knew it was part of the deal. But is it kind of a raw deal where part of the reason it got the money, the tax money, was it three quarters of a billion dollars for 
to allow the Rebels to use it, you would think that's kind of the reason why they said, oh, we'll give you the money because UNLV could play games there to help them out and stuff for maybe they'll get better or whatever. But I mean, if it's about driving revenue, though, just to kind of put this in perspective, you know, my fiance doesn't care anything about college football like I do, like you and I do. Not many people do, so. Not many people <laughs> do, right? Um, but she is a Real Madrid fan. There you go. And so when I was talking to her about this story a little bit earlier today, she, she's already thinking, well, can we get tickets to that? And, you know, when you're talking about driving revenue, you know, these big ticket events are what Vegas is all about. Instant and, sell out that game. And yes. Yeah. And so, you know, you look back at what UNLV's, you know, average as far as their attendance over the last several years. Oh and it's maybe middle of the pack at best. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Let's just say this. They're hovering above the uh, the line to be FBS and FCS, essentially that 15K mark. But they're, they're not bringing out 70,000 fans for, for any game. You know, maybe maybe for the home opener. No you know, just way. Because it's like no a very, very Just because it's like a brand new thing. But even then, that's kind of pushing it. But, but like the soccer game, you have Nevada, which is a very culturally diverse city. You're three hours from L.A., essentially, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Your cl- people fly in fairly cheap from around the country to come watch that game. It's like, oh, Real Madrid, FC Barcelona might be coming to town. Messi's coming to town. Yeah. It's like If I could get tickets to that, I would drive the six hours to Vegas yeah. for that. Like There will be people anywhere across the country because how often they come to the U.S. to play? Rarely. Yes. And, it's, and it's not like an MLS, all-star MLS versus whoever. It's. It may not be that they're not in the best shape because it's. I think believe preseason. We don't know the dates, but maybe preseason or break between EPL or something or whatever league. They're not EPL, but the Spanish league, whatever it is. Up La Liga. Yeah. La Liga. Yeah, that one. It's still a huge deal, and it's. And then they're talking about concerts and stuff. It's like, so is it fair for UNLV? Even though, but I say it's fine because it was in their contract. They knew this was the case. This is not a surprise. They could get bumped around. Mm-hmm. So how matched do UNLV fans be? No, not mad. Sort of match to Arroyo be upset because you can't play in the new stadium maybe twice. Two out of their six home games might be kicked out. I mean, I, I guess it's a little disappointing. But, you know, if you were trying to be a team player, you know, in trying to kind of raise the overall profile of Vegas as a like a sports city. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is just kind of part and parcel with that kind of growth. And maybe there's some growing pains where it feels like they're getting the short end of the stick. But I would imagine that as long as they're getting to play the majority of their home games there, so like assuming that they get to play six home games a year on average, mm-hmm. if they're getting at least four of them there, you know, I think, you know, imagine, I don't know, three or four years from now where, you know, if you want to be on the cusp of a Mountain West, you know, division title or something like that, and they're hosting a division rival for a chance to go to the championship. Fremont Candidate or something. I think something like that is the kind of experience that a UNLV found happily trade. Yeah. You know, for LaTeX. I mean, yeah, lot. I mean, a game against LaTeX has been pretty good over the last couple yeah. of years, but it's 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 no uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Yeah. Even Cal for the opener, Week Zero, Arizona State's the other game that may get switched or both come into Vegas, which is good. You're still not getting like. If we're looking at best attendance, it'll probably be the opener versus Cal. But mm-hmm. they're not getting, like, even for that game, if, they, like, you could lock it in right now for my prediction. They're not going to crack 40K. They may not crack 30K for that opener. Mm-hmm. Like, there may be ticket giveaways, and, like, there always is for everything. Like, 
every school gives away tickets. It's like, is it paid attendance, actual? It's going to look worse than a San Diego State home game. And when the Aztecs bring in 25000 it still looks empty in Qualcomm. And this mm-hmm. is bigger than Qualcomm, I believe. Yes. And so what you would think this would do going forward, they got Cal, they got ASU. They're going to host some non-conference or some – there's some other teams coming. I think BYU, Arizona is coming in. There'll be some other games played there throughout the year. A couple would make sense to fill out more yeah. than – So over the next few years, uh, in 2021, they host Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2023, they host Vanderbilt. Uh, 2024, they host Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there are a few, but uh, the, that BYU game that you mentioned, for instance, is actually on the road. No, the BYU versus Arizona neutral game. Is oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You're I right. mean, those type of games. But, like, you would think with this new nice stadium, they might – they should take advantage of trying to get in a – they might be able to leverage. Because there's a lot of – right now you see Texas, San Jose State playing games. There's home and homes like Wyoming, Utah's home and homes. Stuff mm-hmm. like that's coming up. Why can't they get maybe leverage a two-for-one and get a really good team to, to fill up the stadium, whether it benefits the Raiders or your guys get to play, like – Florida's looking. Florida may not come, but Florida's actually traveling now. They're going to Cal. They're going to. They're coming out to the University of Utah next year or a couple years. Like, go get a team where you get a two for one. Like, normally it's a one and done game. If you get a two for one, you get a good team at home. You will get a, a bye game as well for that third matchup. Go out and get somebody like who knows. Arkansas may do it. Go get like a big a Big Ten team coming to town. Go get somebody of a, a pretty good value. I don't know if Notre Dame would come out there. That might be a one-time deal or something, or who knows if they, if they could ever have room on the schedule. But, I mean, get a team like that that want to come to this nice stadium and mm-hmm. figure something out where normally it's like, oh, it's a buy game. You go to Northwestern for a million bucks. Yeah, and, and relative to – and, I mean, they're <laughs> going to still be taking those kinds of games because that's yeah. what pays the bills. But they might get more better teams than, say, than just road games only. They'll get them at home occasionally. Yeah, and, you know, relative to a lot of other teams in the conference, they still do have – a lot of space available over the next few years. You know, they only have the one home game against Iowa State and then a road game at Arizona State in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then their only game scheduled in 22 at the moment is at Cal. Yeah. So they've got plenty of opportunity to kind of build that high-profile non-conference schedule if they want it. Yeah, and if, if, if they do it right, I know two forms aren't ideal for scheduling, but if you can get a couple every so often, like if you can build it out where – I don't know. Not it may not be every year, but every other year you get a pretty big like getting Cal to come to town is pretty cool. Vanderbilt, whatever SEC team, UCLA coming to town is pretty good. Like if they could get like every other year a really good opponent, not not just get like getting Cal to come to town. Yeah, to Pac-12 school or Vanderbilt, but they're just like nah, there's whatever. Cal might be pretty mm-hmm. good soon, but okay, let's go get um, Arizona to come to. You know what I mean something like that where you get you could probably get those all the time. But they never – some other time, okay, we got – ooh, um, I don't know if Texas A&M would do it, but maybe Texas Tech, somebody a little bit higher up there. Maybe Iowa – very much Iowa State. But, like, team – you know, I mean, those type of teams farther further east, like, just try to get a bigger name. Like, our, who came out west? was this Florida came out. They played out and played Colorado, right? They went to Denver, right, to play them already? Florida. Was that part of the buyout for McElwain? Has that happened yet? I thought oh, that was happening in a year or two. Maybe it is, but I mean something like that where you Florida or State or like Florida State going to Boise. Yeah, something like that. Like if you're UNLV, you might be able to get a team that's like, well, it's an easy win. We go to a cool stadium. I don't know how big a draw it is to go to the NFL stadium like that, but I mean it's something where they well, should you consider. Meant, you mentioned San Diego State a minute ago as having you know at least appearance issues Optics, with a yeah. with a big stadium. 
Um, but I think that UNLV could look at what the Aztecs have been able to do in their own non-conference scheduling as a as kind of a similar stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Because you know they've got home and homes Washington State with yeah. Arizona, well, actually with a lot of different Pac-12 teams. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, you know, Cal, Oregon State, um, Arizona State, all those teams are going to San Diego in the next five, six years. To play somewhere. <laughs> and it could... And it could definitely be a situation where UNLV, with a facility that a lot of teams are going to want to play in, yeah. a lot of high-profile teams are going to want to play in, that they are able to do something like that in the future. We'll see if they do. I think they need to take advantage of it. Maybe that's why their next couple years are kind of light on the schedule, mm-hmm. perhaps. Could be. So, yeah. We'll see how that goes. But for fans that are upset, I can get being upset if you're a coach upset. But if it's, like I said, if it's only one game a year, and it, and it may change on the road, like if it's a concert – Maybe they can work around it because some of these kick times aren't known yet. And so maybe there could be stuff worked around where we'll play like Mountain West in their TV deal. They'll play, they're playing a few more Friday, Thursday night games. Maybe mm-hmm. say there's a huge concert coming to the town on Friday, on Saturday. They can move the Rebels game maybe to a Friday or Thursday, take over that spot to help both parties out. So we don't have to move. Yeah. And teams are used to changing on that part way through the season because then Mountain West is pretty stuck in stone for the most part. They don't change games very often during the year. Um, but there could be like there could be the six or twelve day window they do for say they put say it's in a Fox game, and oh, I assume they're still going to have that with ESPN. But say they put a there's a conflict. Oh, we have a concert coming up. The game's that day. Game can't be moved for whatever reason. It's far. The, the basically the game has to happen. They don't want to move stadiums that close. But they can maybe put that as an early game and then the concert's at night. You know what I mean? I don't know how the turnaround yeah. is to get the stadium clean and ready to go. It could be tough. But there could be something like that or move it to a day before, but keep it there. So. Yeah, just hang in there. All right, next up, up subject. I guess the combine is that coming up soon? I heard uh, a couple weeks. Do they're we get... trying and they're trying to put it in prime time to get people to actually watch it. Let me ask you this: Do you ever watch the combine? Here and there. Do I mean, pay... if I'm if I'm somewhere like dentist and lunch <laughs> and I and it just happens to be on, then yeah, I'll sit down and watch a little bit of it. Do you focus on it? Do you look forward to watching it? Um, I wouldn't say it's like on my DVR or anything like that. Good. Cause eat up all your space. <laughs> well, that, that, you know, I can, you can watch the highlights, which is, you know, what it's yeah. all about, I think. So what it is here, it's like, it's fine. Like Jordan love went there. We have what? Tw- is it 12 or 13 total players? Let's see. Four from Boise, three from Utah state, two from Fresno, one each from Hawaii, San Diego state and Wyoming. Yeah. So we got two quarterbacks. You got Jordan love, Cole McDonald, uh, Logan Wilson there for Wyoming, uh, offensive lineman Keith uh, Ishmael from San Diego State, Weaver, Cleveland, and Wolkland, and Weaver, and oh, wait, Hightower, sorry, I was going to say the name twice. Uh, Mikhail Walker, Natin, Muti from Fresno, those guys. The big story, two big stories here. Are you How surprised are you that Cole McDonald got an invite? I'm not that surprised. I mean, this is a very deep quarterback class, and with so many. You know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about like the, the free agent circus, especially oh, a quarterback that's about to happen in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be amazing. There's still going to be you know teams that need that you know first round traffic, like Jordan Love, or they'll need the kind of project to develop, like like Cole McDonald. Mm-hmm. And so I think that giving him the kind of exposure, the kind of um, you know far reaching workout that the combine can provide. 
you know, especially for, you know, I think back to last year when when the Detroit Lions selected Jelani Tavai in the second round. Oh, and no kidding. Lions fans were like, who is this guy? We appreciate your business as well, Lions fans. <laughs> well, well, now they've now whichever fan base, um, you know, whichever fan base selects McDonald, they're not going to have any excuse not to know who he is. Not only because he's been pretty good, but because, you know, we're going to see how those raw tools translate. Let me ask you this. Is there a player, if we're going to say why – if, okay, it could be Jordan Love, but people know who he is. Um, I put Josh Love on that list. I didn't change it. That's my mistake there. Ooh, that's a that's an error on my part. It happens. Um, it does. Um, is there a player that could be overpicked or not overpicked, but maybe higher than expected? The fans are like, who the heck is that guy? Could it so, be Cole McDonald? Maybe. Like if sorry. he goes like a third round pick. So I haven't done a deep dive into a lot of draft talk just yet, but Natani Muti seems to be very, very high on a lot of prognosticators' uh, big boards. Uh, and that's despite the injury history that he's had over the last couple of years. Because when he's been on the field, he's been awesome. But the big question has just been staying on the field. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, one, if he's 100%, what he does, what he decides to do and what he doesn't decide to do at the combine. Because I think if he comes out and shows out really well, and, and can at least put to rest for the immediate future that, uh, you know, being plagued by injuries and stuff like that. He's a guy who could surprise. Let me ask you this. Though. I, that's a good pick there. I think the reason I could say McDonald if he goes in the second round, but I don't think he'll go that high. But are you surprised? I'm surprised that no Hawaii wide receiver got, got to the combine. Like zero. That is a little surprising too. I was thinking Cedric Bird at a minimum. Yeah, I thought at least one of those guys because I know it's a pass-heavy offense. But the NFL likes to throw a lot. Maybe not as much as McDonald does in or Hawaii with a well, I guess former Rolovich there. But I figure one of the guys like he catch his catch rate was amazing. He caught anything is came his way. But I'm wondering if part of it was well, any receiver that had played well, and so maybe it's more of a system thing and and volume over quality. But he caught stuff as well, and I thought he'd be a pretty good choice. Um, I'm not sure anybody else, but that's kind of my first thoughts. I'm like, that's where's that guy? Well, they how did how many wide receivers did they actually invite to the combine? I didn't look that up. Um, I, yeah. I want to say I want to say it was like 50, 60 something. Just looking at this list, it's a lot, yeah. But with that in mind, the other guy I'm really interested in seeing how well he performs is Hightower. Yeah, just because you know everybody seems to be saying that this wide receiver class might be the deepest ever. Well, how did Hightower which, wait? How did Hightower go? Not a Hawaii guy. He's really good. That's why. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, I do. Um, did, 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 John Rasua didn't get a comment in, but I did it last year, did he? I don't I, remember. I don't believe so. Could be the same kind of thing. I don't know. Because if but you're you in know, the combine, you're almost assured to get drafted. Almost assured to get drafted. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, but I'm interested to see how Hightower stacks up in a class that seems to have, what, three, four, five potential first-round picks of the position. And who knows how many guys are going to go in the first couple of days. So I'm really interested to see if he can work his way into that conversation, if not necessarily as a first-round pick, as a guy who can go in the first 100 picks. For who are you referring to? For John Hightower. He, he's not a first-round pick, no way. Well, I'm not saying he's a first-round pick, but if he, is he potentially a uh, first three rounds pick? I would have to look further into like rankings and stuff, but off the top of my head, I'm There's gonna say There's a lot no. of really awesome receivers. I'm going to say I, no. that's what I'm saying. I, I'm really interested to see like what his numbers stack up like, you know, against, you know, and not to throw uh, <laughs> you know, an unfair comparison out there, but like, you know, 
the guys from Alabama, like Jerry Judy or, yeah. you know, T. Higgins from Clemson and stuff Vizca like that. Chenault Just declared for the draft. He's there. All those really big names. You know, John Hightower, you know, in our circles, he's a big name. Yeah. But, you know, he may still have a little something to prove, especially in a class as stacked as this one at this Okay. Position. How did, serious question, Malcolm Perry, wide receiver, Naval Academy, how does he get an invite? Come by invite. <laughs> You know what? Let's not knock the name. I'm just, Academy. I'm just saying that's that's a peculiar, peculiar, right? I mean, I mean, I'm just saying though, like <laughs> if, if he's going to get an invite, then I then I want, I hope that Donald Hammond gets an invite this time next year. I uh, know, okay, Donald Hammond. Yes, uh, um, we'll get we'll get more in the combine. We'll do some. We get our buddy uh, Sam's doing mock drafts like every other week, so keep track of that. We're putting those out. I think we'll have another one pretty soon. So we'll have if we're looking right now at first round picks, it's probably Jordan Love lock. And maybe Curtis Weaver. Yeah. Of who I've seen throughout the offseason. And I guess in various mock drafts, possibly first round guys. So, uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to the draft stuff later. Combine's coming up. We'll, I guess we'll have to watch the guys weigh in and do all that stuff and figure a few things out. But we'll get to the next topic real quick. Um, coaching, Matt. Uh, we haven't talked about Rocky Long going to Mexico, have we? Have we podcasted since then? Mm, I don't believe so, no. What was your shock level that he went with? With what, that he's going back to Lobos. I was fairly surprised. I was too. Knowing our buddy Roger, who's really close with people, particularly Rocky Long, he does Lobo stuff for us. He was like, yeah, no big deal. It makes sense. He's a little guy. He likes Lobos. Yeah. He, he played there. He coached there forever. I also think him going there is huge. It'd be, I think it's beyond beyond huge he's there. But people say, well, why not go to San Diego State? Be with Brady Hoke. I think that would have been too big of a – distraction possibly with him stepping down and reversing places essentially it would have been just too awkward and weird but he goes to albuquerque with his buddy danny gonzalez he left on okay terms but it's been long enough i'm just wondering how much impact can he have at his age for this team or is it like a kickstart to get things going people's known what he's done at san diego state and even new mexico before it's part of the gonzalez thing where it's like okay we know the coach they love the coach he's been around he's won before Give me three years to get you going, and hopefully after that you're smooth sailing, Danny Gonzalez, and hopefully you have this team getting into the upper part of the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen overnight, um, just because, and we'll talk about this more uh, extensively in a little bit, but if you just look at the amount of production that the Lobos have coming back on the defensive side of the ball in particular, you know, they're... Uh, you know, and this this is Bill Connolly. He put out his article, I believe it was last week at this point, about returning production. And on defense, they're only bringing back 51% of the production they had last year. You know, we've mentioned in previous podcasts that guys like Dylan Horton have moved on. You know, Aaron Blackwell, Trent Sellers, I believe, is still in the uh, portal. So there's going to be pieces to replace. But, you know, they've also they also recruited very well. In this, in the late dra- uh, signing day that wrapped up a mm-hmm. week and a half ago, yeah. So I think that they've definitely got things to look forward to, even if there's likely to be some kind of growing pains in the immediate future. But I think it, I think you know, Lobos fans have a lot to uh, to be excited about. I think it helps. Like Gonzalez does a good job bringing Rocky Long in, recruiting is a touch better. It'll still be, I think, a year zero thing. But I think like people know his defense, what he runs. But I still think he can get guys in better position. Like he's their best coach since he was their coach last time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was the one couple years, small stint with Bob Davey, but I felt that was more of Bob Bessie and that offense he ran instead of the defense, yeah. everything overall. And so maybe it'll improve them 5%, 10%. I 
I still think they'll probably finish end of the bottom of the conference, if not last, in year one for the Mountain Division. But I think they may not be uh, as bad, which is not nice to say, but you get my point. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that they were abysmal, but they were kind of bland by the end of last year. Yeah. Yeah, where they were, they weren't necessarily getting blown out of games, but they were losing a lot of games by like 10 to 14 points, and they were never as competitive as they could be. And I think the early signs from the Danny Gonzalez regime um, are very promising. Exactly. So what about the other coordinators? Do you put a piece up a couple weeks ago, I believe, or recently, about all the coordinators? Every team has a new coordinator, correct? Uh, 10 of 12. The only teams that do not are uh, Air Force and... I'm trying to remember the other one. San Jose? Oh, San Jose State, yes. So we won't go through the whole list. Go check it out because it's been up for a little bit. But like... I think the number one hire was was Bob Dave or not excuse me not Bob Dave Rocky Long going to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Who else like were you thinking that was a pretty good hire within the coordinator ranks? Well, I think hmm, now I got to think about this as far as a good hire. Or what are you most excited about? Like, oh, that's a good like. What do you think is going to be the most potential sooner than later? I you know what I'm really interested in, and I could see both sides of the argument on this one. Uh, Brian Ward at Nevada because his his tenure at Syracuse didn't necessarily end well, nope. which you know might give some Wolfpack fans trepidation, like why would you hire a guy that got fired? Um, and you could throw a, a Wyoming's new defensive coordinator, Jay Sawell, into this conversation as well because um, he got the axe from Wake Forest uh, about a year and a half ago, or I think it was like a, about a month into 2018, and he didn't coach last year. But I'm really interested to see what Ward can do, especially because Nevada, unlike New Mexico, which we talked about a minute ago, they have a lot more coming back on the defensive side of the ball. And just in general, they have one of the more experienced teams in the conference to look forward to in 2020. So... You know, the drop-off that Syracuse had from 2018 when they were ranked uh, to 2019, not quite that drastic, even after he got the axe. You know, they only dropped by, I think it was, you know, two-tenths of a yards per play. Um, you know, they were still, I think, second in the ACC in total takeaways. So I think that, you know, depending on which measures you want to look at, either traditional or advanced, that you can be encouraged by the guy they brought in to replace Jeff Castile. I think there's, I think it's definitely gonna be big shoes to fill because the defense maybe overperformed a little bit in the last couple of years. But I don't think that I don't think the hire has quite as many questions as others might have about it. What's your biggest questionable hire then? I'm not gonna say questionable in a bad way. Just uncertainty, I, I guess, would be the best the way to put uncertainty? it. Uncertainty, okay. G.J. Kim. Where's he coaching? Uh, he is Hawaii's new offensive coordinator. That could go it's, both ways, I think. It could because, on the one hand, he's a guy who's familiar with Todd Graham because he was Todd Graham's quarterback at Tulsa back in the day. You know, he's still, I think, third in school history and passing yards and stuff like that. He was part of that turnaround there. Um but he's never worked as an offensive coordinator before. You know, he spent time as a grad assistant at SMU, as an offensive analyst at Arkansas, spent the last few years uh, on the practice squad with the Eagles before joining Doug Peterson's staff in Philadelphia. So it's an interesting hire. And like, you know, can, with the staff that they have brought in around him, and I, and I forget the, the new wide receiver coach's name, 
but he wrote a book about something called the go-go offense. Oh yeah. That's what I, I like to hear. <laughs> I, I want to say it was like Brandon Marion, Brian Marion. I remember the last name is Marion. So I apologize to all the Warriors fans out there who are probably screaming it at their headphones or something like that. But, you know, on the one hand, just on paper, if you're a fan of like the high flying typical Warriors offense, you're probably going to be in good hands. Um, it's just to me, I'm really interested to see how quickly it all comes together because it may not be quite the run and shoot. And so like if there are things that they tinker with in the overall scheme that take some time to, to come together or if they have if they take longer to identify some of the pieces that they have to replace, um, you know, to me, it, it has the potential to kind of hit the ground running. But it also has the potential to kind of take some time to come together and be really inconsistent. If you'd like, if you go to, it's Brandon Marion. Yes, thank you. There are uh, just a quick cursory Google search, plenty of videos about him discussing his go-go offense. Mm-hmm. So there is a book. So go check that out. But I like to hear anything go-go. That's that's uh, I like to hear for Hawaii offense, right? Throw it up. Yes, field, get, get it exactly. Moving. So maybe we'll do a, a dive on his offense because I see plenty of stuff here. I'll save this page, but. I, you're right. A hire is a – it's not good or bad, but it's like I think potential to go either way is there. Mm-hmm. But I like if it's similar because what – if you go back to Tulsa, what they did there, Tulsa's offense, like Gus Zone was part of that offense too, and they're all kind of all, all together as well. Yeah. And when he's done at different schools, like this is going to be – it may not be the run and shoot exactly, but why can't it be three wide and two running backs and shotgun? It could be something like that more after maybe a uh, athletic tight end who's more more like a receiver who may chip block a guy just to give an extra half a second to QB. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the offense, but it's going to be if it's anything close for what they've done. Why go away completely from what works? Exactly. And so, um, all right, we're about half an hour max. Should we what should we do? Should we go to our main topic or keep going through what we have here listed? Uh, let's just keep going through. What do you like about signing day, Matt? What was your well, for I mean, for some teams, they're pretty quiet, like uh, like my Fresno State Bulldogs, because yep. they got most of their business done in December. But they're I also eleventh overall too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, well, okay. So here's the thing, though, because and I really wish twenty four seven would let you sort that I, sort by this, because it's just based on what their raw total or whatever, however they calculate things. Oh, not the average. Because if you go by the average, I believe they're actually third in the conference behind Boise State and San Diego State. You are, uh, let's see. Yes, they're slightly above Colorado State. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, on that metric, it's not that because they only signed 15 recruits, too, which was the fewest in the conference. And that's part of it, too, the quantity as well. I think the story of the late signing day kind of coincides with some of the past topics we've had in, in recent podcasts, which was how well were the new coaching staffs going to be able to do? And I think for the most part, the answer is pretty well. You know, you look at a team like New Mexico, where I think I mentioned it offhand in like, you know, January or December or something <laughs> like that, how they had like, they had like one recruit. Yeah, I remember that. Very few. Yeah. And then they they ended up with 22 altogether, uh, including one or two of the best recruits, at least according to 27, uh, 24-7 sports that they've ever had. Yeah. You know, one guy that jumps out is Nathaniel Jones, who was a three-star guy. Uh, he's already listed, I think, as their third best <laughs> recruit of all time. Yeah, I put, a, I did the all recruit team. I just kind of put through the highest ratings, and he made that list. And they had a 
They finished yeah, six overall. And they have a center who's in the top 10 as well, Lecky Asiunga. That's good for the middle of the pack for what they've been through. And then, like, UNLV number two, what? how does that happen? <laughs> well, they let a lot of guys, I think, that they had, that had committed go, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. If you knew because they, I think they change. bet on their prowess to bring guys in. It's uh, Maybe it's an Oregon factor a little bit. I don't remember how many they signed on this late period. Like they have some decent guys. Like they recruit everywhere: Texas, California, Arizona. They go mm-hmm. in like, Washington guy. They have um, a guy from Utah. They have a guy from Arkansas. A couple, at least one or two JC guys. Part of it could be their twenty-seven players they got. And it doesn't matter. I don't care what your national rank is within any conference. So you want to compete within your league, and they're number two. Maybe they'll translate yeah, so, or not, but so it's I, a pretty good deal. I made sure to look this up because Mark Anderson at the Las Vegas Review Journal wrote this down. So they had eleven commits at the early signing period, but they didn't actually sign anybody. <laughs> they ended up keeping three of them okay, and signing 27 total. So almost started over for signing period one to two. In a sense. Yeah. And that's, and that doesn't, and that includes, you know, some of the transfers I think we talked about before, like Adam plant, who's coming back to Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Vegas product from uh, Texas Christian yeah, and Justin Rogers. He yeah. was coming in as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, between them and Colorado State, which has continued to recruit really well over the last couple of years, even, you know, having a new head coach there didn't seem to diminish there. Like we just mentioned a minute ago, Mm. if you sort by the average group, they finished fourth overall, just a hair behind Fresno State and and San Diego State. Mm So all in all, I think that, you know, the new regimes especially, and even a team like Fresno State with only 15 commits, you know, Considering the average, I think they, well, considering they signed, I think most, if not all, of those guys when they didn't even have a head coach. There you go. Um, job well done by everybody. Let's put it that way. Hawaii at the end kind of stinks because the timing of the coaching loss as well doesn't help them, and they got last. Yeah, and so and they only signed at seventeen, so they have good returning talent. Quarterback coming back, receivers they have a few there. They're going to be fine. It's be interesting to go, and I guess San Jose State kind of interesting. They were eighth overall. You, mm-hmm. I think the biggest disappointment has to be Utah State. You think because, so? Well, who else would be worse? Like, what would be a bigger disappointment than them? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, maybe some of it. I don't know. No, I'm trying. Now I'm looking at the list and I'm trying to think. Just because they're two years removed from a top, top twenty-five team, double-digit games, they victories. They do have a new head coach, uh, or you know, I mean, Gary Anderson cycle two. But you'd figure a team that's been on the up and up for the most part this past year kind of up and down obviously how it finished but you figured they would have finished maybe at worst middle of the pack not ninth mm-hmm. so that's my thing with him like they have like from what they've known what Gary Anderson has done what this team has done defensively and I guess a little bit offensively like what they've been doing overall like they should be able to get better recruits than they did I don't know what the deal was it doesn't seem for me doesn't seem to be great for what they got compared to what well, they probably think they should be as a program yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right about that. And it may not matter, but I'm just saying off the cuff for who they bring in. Unless Gary Anderson coaches them up really good, it'll it'll be fine maybe. But it's overall like first glance, like, okay, you're ninth out of 12. You've been to how many bowl games in the consecutive years? You've been top 10. Offense was amazing a couple years ago. That's changing. But I kind of figured maybe they'd be, I don't know, fifth or sixth. I mean, I think it may depend at least in part, you know, the class in the long run. Uh, how good it looks depending on the transfers that they brought in. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because we knew that they were bringing in Keegan Duncan from from Boise State, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they also brought in a defensive end from UCLA, Marcus Moore, mm-hmm. and they brought in a couple of pretty well regarded uh, JUCO guys in Xavier Steele and James Hansen from Southern California. So, I think if they can come in and, and you know carve out a role for themselves right away, it won't look so disappointing. But you know, until we see them on the field in spring ball and whatnot, it's really hard to say. True. All right, let's get to the next subject here, which is really quick. Name, image, likeness, which I could spend hours on. and Or I could just be, man, you know, pay the players, right? Be, move on. Yes. So I was thinking about this the other day for the radio show I do. We talked about this a couple of times, and we haven't had a chance to podcast, but it's still relevant. Two things I want to talk about with this. One is that they met with Congress, and like, who is it? I think Mitt Romney from Utah, and then um, Senator Murphy from Connecticut, I want to say. Yes. Their two are kind of leading the charge a little bit. So... I was thinking about it for a while because they met. It's like, well, we need to do something with the players. There are at least, thir- I think, 30 states. Only California's passed. I think SB, was it 206, I believe it is, or 209? Mm-hmm. To allow, and a couple, they were not good about it. The governor knew so must Put it out a couple years. Let's give the NCAA some time. We don't want just something to go crazy. And what, who knows what could happen. Mm-hmm. But there's about 30 states who are doing it. I know New Mexico's one. Colorado's one. A lot of states are working and do, working on and doing this. Which is great, in my opinion, because there needs to be something done. And like I've always said before, I talk about Gary Paris at CBS, who does the college basketball podcast. If you can give money to anybody, there's basically no cheating overnight almost, essentially. Yeah. It's very hard to cheat that way if your money there. I don't want to get in details of what it could look like for caps or how to distribute money or who can get what. But um, NGA is thinking... They're moving slowly because they always move like a glacier out in the ocean in the North Atlantic there, very slowly, just cruising along at two miles an hour. Do you think, as my opinion, do you think the NCAA is hoping Congress will bail them out? Probably. That's what I think, too. It's like, like, okay, we'll do anything. We'll just let Congress get something done. However, Senator Murphy made a pretty big deal. There's a couple reasons. First off, it's an election year, first of all, so they're more busier than normal, like a big like presidential election year, so not big-time election. And here's what Senator Murphy says, which makes complete sense. He says, It's hard to imagine a world, a bill related to college athletics, makes it to an open debate on the Senate floor where they can't get prescription drug benefits to the floor, can't get a war declaration to the floor. But, and there's other things too, gun control, a lot of other things that people want to move across are just stuck because of what's going on. And then he sits, finally says, But we're going to get this college football bill to the floor. And the NCAA is clueless and naive if they think that's going to be pushed across the floor to the Senate floor to get a vote and complete. Like, what is Mark Emmer and everybody thinking? They, are they just hoping something gets done? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they want maybe they want their own version of the Save America Pastime Act. <laughs> Jeez. Really? Which, which, by the way, sucks. <laughs> but, like, why can't, like, why can't they say, I know, they think they're smart. I don't know if they're, they are. They're not. They th- I, they said they, I said they think they're smart. Yeah. Because they do all sorts of uh, crazy things. But... Is it real? I get what they're doing. They want to put some stuff in place. They don't want a free for all. But like the simplest thing to me, it's like we've said it before, Matt. The best players are still going to go to the best schools almost ninety percent, regardless, right? Yes. If you win, you're going to go there. I make this example a million times. If you're a kid who, let's say you're not the best of the best, but you're like a four star guy or a high three star guy, Alabama wants you. Great, good Alabama. You know, you may not start for a couple years because there's ten five star guys in front of you at your position. But would you rather go there or go to UAB because there's some guy 
some company that wants to, and you're a pretty, say you're a running back, a pretty high profile position there because Alabama's had a couple of Heisman Trophy winners like Derrick Henry and other guys along the way in the past. Yeah. Would you go to UAB because you'd be the star, the star player ASAP? And there's some, also say a car dealership lets you have a free car while you're, while you're going to school there. You do some commercials and you get 20, a car plus 20 grand a year, essentially. Whereas Alabama, you may not get anything, or some pizza joint may give you 200 bucks a month to do a radio commercial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, check out JoJo's Pizza here in Tuscaloosa or something, and you get free pizza and 200 bucks a month. Is that going to sway a guy who probably NFL caliber to go to UAB over Alabama because of the short-term gain? I mean, I'm not sure. I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. There might be the minority, but... That's my point. Like, and if Congress is going to, they think the Congress would be on the shining uh, night coming in, saying we got the, we got you NCA. Like, there's way bigger things to worry about than this, right? Way mm-hmm. bigger things to worry about that need to be done, or at least even attempted to be done. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I I think that's what the NCA is doing. They just want to go like, oh, we'll just see what you guys do, Congress, and we'll deal with it. And when there's one bill that goes 2021, it's like, oh crap, we Florida's doing what now? <laughs> you know what my other thing is real quick Matt you know what the know what Craig Thompson should, and should really do if he's smart which again he may not be the smartest guy how many schools are in California and Mountain West we got two three three yeah Why Mountain West should talk to all these New Mexico has a bill going forward Colorado they should just embrace and go forward with this bill every state and just go with it and well, say, you, so you're thinking about that article. I forget who exactly. I yeah. think it might have been Matt Brown. No, it was, or maybe it was someone that Ryan, Ryan Andy wrote about it last week. I was about thinking twelve. Yeah, I was thinking about it even before that. I just, it just sparked my memory about it. They need to somehow go forward and say, "Screw it, we're doing this. We'll get better players." And who cares if the Mountain West is not part of the NCAA for a couple of years or something for football? They're not going to the playoff anyways, right? <laughs> That's true. And I mean, well, and to go back to your kind of hypothetical, you know, one example that I remember reading about in, in, in reading up on, on uh, National Signing Day, Colorado State, for instance, I think it's like three of the last four years, they haven't been able to sign a quarterback out of high school. Because in 2018, they had Matthew Baldwin, mm-hmm. who ended up going to Ohio State. And now he's at, I think, a TCU or something like that. Um, they had uh, Griffin Brewster who decommitted after they fired Mike Bobo. He's at Kent State now. Um, they had uh, Will Muschamp's kid. Uh, I think he was just he was right there and he decommitted to go walk on at Georgia. Huh. So let's say, for instance, that Colorado State has the ability to just pay players a little bit. Yeah. Does that help them kind of seal the deal with these things that they haven't been able to do in the last few years? Or a school like Colorado State where maybe they can get those high three-star kids that, you know, rather than going to, Indi- for example, Indiana, Kansas, yeah, or Kansas. Iowa State or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. If they are more tempted to go to a college like, like Colorado State or like Boise State or – you know, even yeah, you know, like like UNLV or something like that. Yeah, you think so? Because if you, if you're a position and you go to school, like say you're better example, wide receiver for Colorado State. Look how many guys go to the NFL from your school the past couple of years. Yeah, and you're choosing between CSU or even Washington State, CSU or a bad UCLA team, CSU or um, Texas Tech. You know what I mean? Or TCU or 
Oklahoma State. That runs kind of a offense that gets the ball a lot. Yeah. And you're able to get 15 grand a semester, 15 grand per football season. And you may be able to play a touch earlier as well. Maybe get me, you know what I mean? You might, your playing time probably be a better opportunity. Most likely if you go to CSU than a bigger school, at yeah. least early on, you might be able to play right away or at least get in the lineup pretty quickly to move your way up after a couple games. I could say be happy, but like just lean in and do it. Like I know you have to have every state do it. So Idaho, Hawaii, um, Nevada, which this is not a hard thing to do. Like lean in and go for it. Like try do what you can. And maybe Mountain West Pac-12 makes some agreement or who knows. And they just join their new league and NCA screwed and try to figure things out. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to be NCA is going to figure it out. They're going to have their thing in April coming up. They'll probably make it go forward, which which we saw their proposal or at least kind of their basic outline. People were kind of, man, eh, weren't too happy about it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to emerge because first member, they thought the world was going to end when COA was going to come around cost of attendance. Jim Delaney even said under oath, he lied about saying we're going to drop to D three, to big 10 schools. It's like, come on, yeah, it's not going to happen. And so it'll be something that'll be good. It won't ruin the sport because again, it's coming from not the university. It's not, it's not taken away. Well, maybe it will, but it's not reducing anything from the academic side from the school. There, the only thing that could hurt, which could be okay. It could hurt the school overall because but again, like I said, people still like their name on buildings. They're going to pay money to be named after the science center, the computer lab, the football stadium, the practice field, the tennis court, the swimming pool. There just may be a, a slight tick back in that. And so it's like, well, you already make as much money if you can. Like if you're a big – like one more quick example here. Michigan State. I wrote a piece for our workout about Colorado leaving, Mel Tucker going. Did you see the difference in money Mel Tucker got from, from Michigan State? I did. Doubled his money – I mean, I think I made the perfect analogy. Michigan State came in and plucked Colorado, a Pac-12 school, like as a group of five school. It's like we'll take your coach, we'll double their money, we'll double your system pool you're getting before. And Mel Tucker on his way out and at his press conference, or not well, but as press conferences in Michigan State, we have more commitment here, at Spartans. We have more resources. People want to do basically win at football, and how? And that's where the Pac-12 Mountain West, like, let's just go. Fine, we can pay players. Let's do it. Just there's there's got to be something to be done, but there, there there will be something completed and done. My main point goes back to this: NCA can't always wants to be reactionary, mm-hmm. and they can't have Congress is not going to come to do this. They're not going to save them. What is like? What's the last time Congress has gotten involved with college sports? Anyways, essentially, there's a near suing from Utah back in the day with the Attorney General to BCS stuff that got dropped and never went forward. Like what has really got? Nothing's really gone forward and changed. There's lawsuits like the TV stuff where. Back in the early '90s, late '80s, coach trying to cap coach's salary. That's about it. There hasn't been too many things. Those are two really big deals because the free market thing for both TV money and salary cap for coaches. You can't stop that. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. But there's not many things like this. There's no point for them to get involved because it's not. It's technically like infringing on athletes' rights. It's not because they're not getting anything now. That's maybe the precedent's already been there. That's already been kind of held down or pushed aside because the rule's in place. But once, if some state gets this going before NSA does, that's when it's going to shoot up a ladder quickly and get done, hopefully. But, yeah, apparently, according to Fortune, the NCAA spent about three quarters oh, yeah. of a million dollars on lobbying. Oh, I remember seeing that. ACC Big 12 helped out with that, over a million bucks between those three entities. Yeah. So you think they want this to get done? No. I think they want it to be, I think they want it to be got, got, <laughs> to get done in a very particular way. Yeah. Like, if there's limits and caps and how you can get it, 
I'm, I'm depending what it is, I'm not going to say I'm totally against it or totally for it. But like there could be ways where maybe it's in a fund and you get a certain percentage. You have to meet a grade criteria. You know what I mean? There could be something that could stipulate because they are at the university to go to school. That's part of the deal. If you fail out of school, you're not going to be able to get that money because you're not representing the university essentially. And that's why they want to give you money because you're on the field. So players will still have the incentive to be eligible on that front. But there, if there's a grade side to it, like maybe it's slightly above the 2.0, which is ridiculously low to be eligible as it is in my opinion, essentially. Like maybe it's a 2.5 or something. And I mean, it to be something, I'm not just speaking out whatever, a couple of things you have to do. You can't be... Whatever, there could be stipulations where you can get. Like, maybe there's here's one thing that won't happen there won't be a cap given because we've already known that's illegal and there's precedent with it with college coaching. So, yeah. there, could, there could be a guy, Phil Knight, if he wants to, could pay. Like, I see a suit, it's like, oh, Phil Knight's could pay every player a million dollars. Well, first off, Phil Knight's not a dummy for a business guy, too, right? Mm-hmm. If you think you guys are going to pay 85 scholarship guys a million bucks a year to come to your school, you're wrong because also kids want to play and he's not going to waste that much money every year, right? No. <laughs> so. One last thing I want to say here. I'm just going to say this. NCAA is not going to get it done by Congress. It's going to be – I'm going to guarantee – I'm going to say the best two options in order. NCAA makes – figure something out. Two, one of the states puts an early deadline and gets that passed first and causes chaos. Third and distant last will be U.S. Congress coming in and fixing this and figuring it out for them. That would not surprise me in the least. All right. So let's talk about next year, Matt. Okay. We already did our stupid early predictions where – Last year, if you recall, we had Fresno State tied for first. Mm-hmm. That, um, well, did not go well, did it? <laughs> just just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry, Matt, especially to you. Um, so if you if we've put this up a while ago, back in January. Just a quick refresher. Boise, State, Ingo State, Air Force, Hawaii are the top four. But then we get some more details from our good buddy, Bill Connolly, who puts out returning production, and we may have to change some things, right? Maybe. <laughs> or change our thoughts. Do you... From the production you've seen coming back, would you make any drastic changes to your poll or something? Like who might be at the top of the conference? So, if I remember correctly, I think it was I had Boise State third, which caused a lot of consternation. You did. I'd want me first, uh, if you're wondering. I think I would probably drop San Diego State in a spot or two, if only because when we did this poll – coaching the, the day after the national championship game and no perfect timing of course nothing changes the, after you know, that. they they still had a quarterback set to come in yep. who ultimately did not come in Jackson, and that is yeah. exactly the kind of thing i was talking about where i said it's january 14th things will change and if you ask me this question again a month a month from now which is basically what it's been mm-hmm the situation has changed. You know, San Diego State didn't ultimately sign a quarterback in their most recent class. They're going forward with who they got on the on the roster, and New coach. there's a lot there's a lot of uncertainty about that. And so, I mean, I, I can't think of any huge swings, one way or the other. What about Air Force? Forty two percent returning production. See, I'm. It's hard to say. Uh, Air Force is kind of hard to figure out because one, yeah, like, yeah, the what the kind of production they bring back is like so focused. Yeah, but you know, they, Brett Bergman had an article uh, ahead of their spring practice, which I believe has already gotten underway, if I'm not mistaken. It actually did this past week, yes. And you know, 
some things I think when you look at returning production matter a little more for the Falcons than other things. So like on the one hand, the fact that, you know, they are losing pretty much the entire passing game receivers, you know, they're receivers. Yeah. They're losing Gerard Sanders. They're losing Ben Waters. That's like, that's huge, Mm -hmm. but But it's also, it's also a run first offense. And so, you know, we were having this, same kind of question for the most part this time last year. And then of course it was fine. So they have guys coming back where it'll mostly be fine. I would assume to me, what I am more interested in is the fact that even though when you go and look at the, the returning production article, for instance, rushing yards matters less than passing yards and receiving yards and an offensive line mm-hmm. snaps and stuff like that. But the fact that they're replacing so much in their ground game, you know, because Timothy Jackson's recovering from injury, you know, they got a couple of other guys who are preparing for graduation. So there could be a lot of pressure on the, on the guys stepping up into the rotation, you know, to carve out a niche for themselves in spring ball and hold on to that into the fall. Um, you know, the fact that they are losing even more on defense than they are offense to me is kind of the big question. Because you know they do have some stars coming back, like Jordan Jackson's coming back, but pretty good. You know, next next to him, Moses Fita's gone. You know, Demonte Meeks is coming back at linebacker, but Kyle Johnson's gone. You know, Garrett Kalpula, Grant Thiel are gone on the back end. Uh, so it's they have a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, I think they may start a little bit slow, but the offense usually be fine with whoever the running back would be. Yeah, but I mean, even then, you know, they're they're bringing back forty six percent of the of their offensive production, mm-hmm. which might seem a little bit low. But the fact that they're bringing back, you know, Hammond, I think, is the key mm-hmm. piece, which kind of mitigates that a little bit. So I think there there's more to the story than just kind of the raw number, for sure. And I think and I think it's a little bit different for every team. It is like look at San Diego State fifty. Well, we kind of mentioned they're bringing back half their stuff. Like they lose Juwan Washington, but that may not matter because they make sure they actually have good running backs in there. Not good, but you know I mean, like we're, they kept forcing them back in there. Mm-hmm. So that production loss may not be as big a deal. Well, they're they're probably getting dinged more because they're losing Ryan Agdale. Yeah. Than they are losing Juwan Washington, if only because the run game was very rough last year. So my point, run game's probably going to be fine. But the fact that they have so many young receivers coming back, you know, the fact that you know, I think the only skill position player they're having to replace is Parker Houston and they brought in three tight ends with their new recruiting class including a transfer from Ball State Nolan Given. So again, you know, the fact that they're only bringing back, you know, 52% on offense, which is 92nd nationally may seem like a, a a little bit dicey. But again, it's all in how you look at it because you have to look at who they have coming back. Yeah, and like look at Boy State what they're bringing back, which is interesting, which could be low because they lost Jalen Henderson. Yeah. graduation so maybe that percentage would be like had Hank Bachmeyer played the whole year or even uh Chase Cord played the whole year that percentage might be 80 percent yeah so there's that to look at too like who played how many guys played um CSU brings back a lot um even losing Colin Hill South Carolina transfer that he didn't play most years got hurt but look at that they losing um what receiver is leaving this year for them um Preston um Jackson um Warren Jackson Warren, oh yeah also Warren Jackson why did he get a combine invite what's up with that well, he didn't declare. Oh, that's right. Oh. He's coming back. Oh. <laughs> it seems every year they leave. My mistake, so never mind. So you got, okay, I apologize for that. That's my error. I don't know every single player declaring or not. I thought he declared didn't go, so 
my mistakes. I know Hollywood Higgins and other guys declared to go before. Um, so I guess I'll pass on my CSU comparison. What about New Mexico real quick? They bring back 61%. They have new coaching staff. Rocky Long's are a DC we mentioned. Does that matter that much? Because they're, that too deep could be basically thrown into a shredder when spring ball starts pretty soon. What's interesting is the disparity between what they're bringing back on offense versus on defense. Because they're bringing back 70% of the production on offense, but only 51% on defense. Rocky Long got your work cut out. <laughs> which, you, which you have to you have to think if it were the other way around, then year zero would be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm, for sure. Because we just we don't know how the offense is going to come together. Like, you know, Tabaka Chiodi may be coming back, but one, is he going to stay healthy? Yeah, they went is to he so be, Is he going to be effective in whatever the new offense is going to be? Or are they going to have to turn to Trey Hall or whoever they decide to back there? Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're they're having to replace Amari Davis, and they, they've got talent in the backfield. You know, they, they still have a lot of speed at receiver, but what is it going to, what is the offense going to look like? Sure. One other thing, too, yeah. One other thing too. I look at a production like Wyoming. Part of this, I have an article coming out which Craig Bull talked about last week. They might go to two quarterbacks next year, or at least look mm-hmm. at it, because Levi Williams had just a one plus game, pretty good passing game versus a, was it Georgia State, Georgia Southern, uh, in the bowl game. One of those, yeah. One of the Georgia, that was Georgia State. Yeah. Okay, Georgia State. Sean Chambers got hurt throughout the year. He's going to miss majority of spring football. Probably won't do any contact stuff. We've seen him run and stiff arm guys over. Williams has shown a throw in one game and actually run pretty well, too. He had 50-something yards in the bowl game. I think 70 versus Air Force in the finale as well, whenever he played them. Excuse me. Sorry about that. But that production is different as well because the same with Boise State. Had Chambers played the whole year, maybe that's 70% because mm-hmm. he missed a past couple handful of games. And so I don't know. What do you think about Wyoming really quick? They're two, if they do two quarterbacks. Because they're two kind of different, but I think Williams is good enough to run to complement his passing game where it's not a strictly Xavier Halliday QB running the ball, where if it's Williams, they could do both and actually mix things up, do more read options, more run pass options, those type of things, and actually move the ball more effectively. I think the idea makes more sense if you start thinking about them in the same way that we always talk about Air Force. Because what we always say about the Falcons is that it, you know, in recent years, last year kind of being the exception, you better have two quarterbacks ready to play. Well, does that too? That's obviously a good thing for them to have that depth. Yeah, just because if you look at their run pass ratio from 2019, the Cowboys they threw the ball even less than they did in 2018. So I think if, it's if hard to you believe. Go, <laughs> it, it wasn't by much, but it was there. Um, it was I think it was 33.5 percent of the time they threw the ball last year. So if you if you look at the situation as we want to go in with Sean Chambers as our as QB one, but we need to be ready if he gets banged up again because that's what happened first couple of years. You know, he hurt his knee two years ago, and then he got nicked up knee again this year, knee again last year. So if you think of it on those terms, where you know, he might be like a Donald Hammond or a or Carson Roberts or a, a Nate Romine or something like that, where he might start with the inside track for the job, but someone like Levi Williams might be best suited for having a package of plays where he can do most of the same stuff, if not all of the same stuff that Chambers can, because we saw him run a little bit. Mm-hmm. We, we both know they can throw at least a little bit, if not necessarily consistently. So to me... 
it makes more sense than it would for a lot of other teams in the conference, at least for right now. So your recommendation is to have a package, not necessarily split time? I mean, I could see the argument for splitting time. If only, you know, through spring ball especially, if you're trying to make sure that they are both as prepared as they can be, you know, considering that, you know, they're going to have new pass catchers to throw to this year, for instance, um, I can see the merits of giving both Williams and Chambers as much work as possible. I would say um, just don't have a situation like New Mexico did a couple years ago when they had Cole Gauchi come in on pass, obvious, super obvious passing downs. You can't have it that where, oh, it's third and 12. Let's pull Chambers for um, Williams there. We know it's going to pass. Yeah. That, that will not work because defenses can control that where, okay, we'll drop nine guys. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think you necessarily – like we talked about a couple weeks ago with San Jose State where they had Josh Love um, and next year they're going to have Nick Starkle, but they'll also have Nick Nash coming back. Mm-hmm. And we knew that Nick Nash was a very effective runner. I don't think for, for Wyoming it's going to work quite the same way because the skill sets that those two quarterbacks have are a lot more similar to one another. So, what, so yeah, they maybe they dealt with the Arkansas transfer they brought in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I assume he's going to be the starter, you would think, right? I think well, he's probably going to start with the inside track, yeah. But yeah. I, I'm just saying I don't think Wyoming can do the same thing because Chambers and Williams have a skill set that are more similar to one another. Sure. All right, so let's look at Bill Dawson's SP+. Any shocking surprises out of there? I saw somebody complaining about why is there no top 25 Mountain West team when it's pretty rare. I think you noted Air Force and San Diego State in Boise. Well, it was Air Force last year. Yeah. It was Fresno State two oh, years Oh, Fresno, ago. that's who it was, yeah. And then you have to go back to 2011 to find the last top 25 team, and that was when Boise State finished eighth in their first year in the conference. So that's also since the technical realignment aired three times in a decade. Yeah, because uh, TCU also did it in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Yeah. So that's not a big deal. It's fine. Um, any surprises overall? Like what it includes? Remember, it includes was it, it? It's super early preseason, so they do recruiting as like a third of it. Mm-hmm. What was the other two? Um, returning production and recent history. Yeah. So that's like the basic of FP plus, but it's more complex than that. So if you look at recent history recruiting, it makes into Boise State's number one. Recent history Air Force, they're 65th. That's a little surprising, but what really is San Diego State? Just because if going off those three things, I know the recruiting's been okay, but recent history and I guess returning production, but recent history, you think they'd be hired because they've won three of the past four years. Did they win 10 games this past year again? Uh, Yes, they did. So four of the past five years, they've won 10 plus games. Well, we were just talking about the split between... You know, offense and defense as far as mm-hmm. returning production. Did you happen to look at the split? I don't have the split in front of me. On off- okay, so the preseason split for the Aztecs, uh, offense versus defense. Defense, they're projected to be top 20. They're projected to be 20th. Good. Do you want to take a wild stab as to where they're projected on offense? I see it now. It's 127. <laughs> it's 127. Um, it's on branch a little bit. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not going to be that rough. But, you know, if you look back at I'm, I'm trying, and I wish I had had that article up in front of me as to what they actually finished last year. I'm looking that up on the fly as I talk. So, like for offense, you mean? Yeah, offense versus defense. I'm gonna guess defense is better, right? Offense can't be that. Bad. Oh, it definitely was. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what exactly the split was. Top sixty, I want to say. Uh, okay, so uh, okay, so last year they finished 15th on defense. 
Uh, they finished 10th on special teams, SP+, plus, okay. 122nd on offense. Jeez. So re- and, re- and remember, it's not like a, a who-you-play ranking. It's a how-you-play ranking. Yeah. So it's mostly a reflection of kind of the, the scuffles that they had on offense for most of the year last like year. Like that 6-0 Weber State game. Yeah. Or running games not playing well with John Washington being in and out of the lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't extrapolate too much from one game because, you know, for as for as rough as it looked against a team like Weber State, you know, obviously they finished the year with a flourish against Central Michigan in the bowl game. But, you know, you kind of have to you have to count everything in between, too, as far as how they played. And so that's where that disparity on both sides of the ball really starts. So is there a very good chance that they climb pretty quickly if they get off to a fast start in non-conference play? Yes. Um, so if you're looking at the Aztecs and seeing 74, why are they starting there? Personally, I wouldn't sweat it too much. I think part of it, I think most of it would be the production thing, I'm guessing. Yeah, and that was one of the big stories I think that Bill Connolly kept putting out there from the get-go was that pretty much everybody in the conference by returning production is starting over. Yeah, the Mountain West is isn't they last until the production of every any conference? By conference, yes, they're the only conference that is outside the top forty in team returning production. You know, we, we mentioned Colorado State earlier. The other team we didn't mention that's also at the top of the list is Nevada. And, you know, they're another team that I look at and I'm really interested to see how they climb out of the cellar because I'm I still feel like I'm more bullish than a lot of other people are on the Wolfpack. You know, by their preseason SP plus ranking, they are 110th. Yeah, not good. But I I think a lot of that has to do with kind of the growing pains because it's actually not that dissimilar from where they finished last year because last year they were seven and six but they actually finished 2019 112th. You know, they were 113th by offensive SP plus. They were 85th on defense. And that is mostly where they are, um, you know, on offense and defense, thinking about the preseason rankings. They're 111th and 88th respectively. But they're another team I look at you know, because they have so many pieces coming back because I feel relatively optimistic about the new defensive coordinator hire. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's... You know, definitely paths for someone like Carson Strong to go. They're bringing Tau everybody back has got to be offense. better, right? Be yeah, better. so I mean, I think that, you know, they finished 7-6 last year, which maybe felt like a letdown to a lot of Wolfpack fans. Felt like a slight letdown to me as someone who was really bullish on them last year. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to double down on them again. I feel Ooh, like one That's your team? Ooh, are you calling? Is this your team to overachieve? I mean, if we're like, well, that's not I mean, how it works. We're not going to get, we're yeah, not gonna get too too deep into early predictions, I'm but yeah, kidding. I'm feeling pretty good about Nevada. They're not it's, your team we, on, we, on February 16th. I'm feeling good about Nevada. We need to know what team you'll pick three nine and take the over on the win total. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. After all, what we said going through this stuff, here's what you put for your top uh, twelve, real quick: San Diego State, Wyoming, Boise, Nevada, Air Force, Fresno, San Jose State, Utah State, CSU, Hawaii, New Mexico, UNLV. <laughs> Would you make any multiple position changes up or down from those teams? Uh, like I said earlier, I'd probably bump San Diego State down a spot or two. Okay. And and move Wyoming, Boise, and Nevada up. Welcome to the club. Wyoming Cowboys number one. <laughs> I might move UNLV up a spot. Hmm. Okay. Other than other than that, you read through those too quickly. So sorry, I was just going. <laughs> I know I speak too fast, but you would know if you had a team like if you had, I feel better about them, but. 
I do think San Diego State, I agree with you, just because of the changes they've made. There's a little more uncertainty than there was a month ago. Yeah, like I had them fourth. I'm confident. Like, here's mine real quick. Wyoming, Boise, Air Force, SDSU. I might have Hawaii, I may drop them down a touch, like swap them with Nevada. Um, Maybe Fresno and CSU because I don't like the higher CSU. So I wouldn't make any drastic change. I'd keep my top four the same, like which would be Wyoming, Boise, Air Force, Aztec. So mm-hmm. not too much of a change, but um, I may ding CSU and Hawaii. That's about it. But, again, we did these back in January, and we're a month later. New coaches, new people have come aboard. So, yeah, we're not making too many big changes now, folks. We're not doing not, – we're not locking ourselves into stone for anything. Yeah, and the transfer the – transfer portal is still ongoing so there's a lot Always. of a lot of moves potentially left made so we'll probably do a post spring rankings as well which will be meaningless as well right yeah <laughs> but they're fun right <laughs> fun for whom i, like doing them. <laughs> I don't so, think they're fun for anybody nobody seems to enjoy them. hey we get hey compliments complaints interactions what we want right that's true all right anything else we need to add because we've gone just over an hour tonight i think we are all set I think we'll be back next week. If you have any topic ideas, shoot us a Twitter, MWC Wire, because we'll need to have some because we want to keep going every week. And we can't spend an hour talking about Chicago-style pizza. Well, maybe not. Don't don't test us, right, Matt? No, <laughs> don't tempt us, yeah. <laughs> tempt us, test us. We can go through the menu of Gold Bell if you want because it's, oh, it's tasty sometimes. But check us out on Twitter, MWC Wire. We'll have more football stuff. Spring football's coming up, so we'll get some Air Force stuff this week. Um, I got some football articles coming out next couple of days, so stay tuned for all that. Hoops, Aztec's number one seed at the moment. Cross your fingers, maybe. NCAA 2A, which would be pretty nice. if we can go pretty far. So we got hoops coming up. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back next time. So check out our podcast. Give us a review and rating, and we'd appreciate it. And we'll see you next time, folks.